Welcome to the STR Data Lab. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the STR Data Lab. I'm Jamie Lane, Chief Economist at AirDNA, and I'm here today with Tyler Kuhn, the CEO and founder of Savvy Realty. Tyler, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for joining. Hey, man, it's so great to see you. So last time I saw you, we were in Nashville. You were up on stage introducing Damon John as the keynote speaker at STR Wealth Conference. I mean, it was a massive conference thousands of people. How was the show for you? It was cool. Yeah, man, it was really good. They gave me this long paragraph to read and it was very detailed, you know, like, uh, <laughs> you know, the shark, he's got all these accolades from like President Obama and he's doing all these things. And so it was very, very detailed. So I almost felt like I had to read right off the teleprompter. I tried to like memorize everything, but yeah, it, it was great. I got to shake his hand. That was really, really cool. Definitely worth it. What about you? Did you have a good time? I had a great time. That was my first time at the conference. So had been sort of watching afar for the past two editions. Uh, so I mean, for us, it was, I mean, it was right in our wheelhouse of like, it seems like everyone knew AirDNA. They'd all been using AirDNA and people could just come to us and like ask questions of like, how do I use this better? Like, how does this tool work? Like, and it was, it was so much fun to like talk with clients and get their feedback. And I, mean, we learned a ton and, and yeah, it was, a, it was a lot of positive energy toward short-term rentals, which I just like feed off of. Yeah. Yeah, man. Me too. It was great meeting, uh, Aaron and Sophia. One thing I really liked about those guys is they were asking all the right questions and they weren't just taking the feedback and listening and going like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe that's something we can do. I mean, they had their laptops out and they were like typing away furiously notes every time somebody was talking to them. And that was really cool to see how like wide open air DNA is to that sort of collaborative environment between uh, its users and the platform. So that was awesome. Yeah. So maybe we step back a little bit though, for people that don't know you, and we've talked now quite a few times. I, I feel like you're prolific in the short-term rental space. Oh, goodness. Uh, <laughs> but like, how did you get into short-term rentals in the first place? And how did you sort of build this brand that we see of like Tyler Kuhn and, and Savvy Realty? Yeah, and the hair. Um, and the hair. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so I started in short-term rentals in 2019. I was just a kind of regular general real estate agent at that time. Me and my business partner, we had a real estate team, just a, a regular residential real estate team. We had buyer's agents and we had assistants and the whole nine yards. It was great. I started working with this doctor who bought eight short-term rentals in one year. And I had a lot of fun with it you know, running the data, looking and trying to find something that could be a short-term rental. Our market isn't like in, in Asheville here, our market is not like Gatlinburg or, you know, an area where everything on the MLS is a great short-term rental. It's hard to find them here. And it was almost like a treasure hunt. And I was having a lot of fun with that treasure hunt. So I walked into my business partner's office and I said, like, 
this is all we should do. We should only do short-term rentals. And he told me I was crazy. You know, it's a subset of even the investor market, which is already such a small, you know, piece of real estate. And, uh, and I felt so convicted by it that just, you know, I went, I clicked the reset button on my career, uh, left my team that I had built for years and started over. And uh, went on to, you know, 2022, sell 55 million in short-term rentals in Asheville. And last year, sell 50 million in short-term rentals here and start building a team of agents across the nation that also specialize in short-term rentals. Oh, that's awesome. That I can relate so much to that. It was like in 2020, I was working for CBRE, like world's largest commercial real estate company. I like told my boss, I'm like, who's the chief economist, like overseeing 600 researchers around the world. And I was like, I think I'm going to leave here and go work for as leading research for a short-term rental company. He's like, you know, we work with the Blackstones and the Starwood (laughs) Capitals deploying like trillions of dollars of real estate. And you're going to go work in short-term rentals, like this like small subset of hospitality, which really isn't a, like a thing yet. I'm like, yeah, I think it's going to be awesome and a lot of fun. <laughs> well, have you had a lot of fun? I have. Have you? Yeah. Yes, a lot of fun. Yeah, every day, every day I have a lot of fun. I find myself waking up and, you know, get to the office early and uh, and just be really excited every time. Like I said, it's kind of like a treasure hunt. It is new. It's like exploring this new frontier And we've kind of developed these skills over time that have made our investors, you know, our clients, our real estate clients, a lot of money. And that's been really cool. You know, one really cool thing that happened two days ago, we have our Facebook group. And uh, so we post all of our deals in there that we find every day. Not every deal that we find or post is a great deal. It takes a lot of deep dives. You got to dive into AirDNA. You got to keep going. Um, but we, we, we kind of post everything from the outset there. So this guy, Richard came into the group and he said, I've been in here for a year and I've been watching all these posts for a year. Can somebody that's bought from this stupid group tell me, is this all BS or not? Like, are these numbers actually achievable? And dude, it was so cool. I went in there and I said, like, will any of our clients come in here and please give a totally honest feedback to this guy? Just left it at that. And so for the last two days, our clients will be going in there commenting and just saying like, yes, this is real. You can actually do this. There's caveats, right? You have to do the right things to your rentals. You have to do the right research and add the right amenities. But if you do the things they tell you to do, you can more than achieve the numbers that they're telling you you can do. And that was incredibly cool and also kind of humbling. So and that actually and is a perfect sort of segue to one of the questions I had for you. So like, let's just say like I'm hypothetically looking to invest in a property in Western North Carolina. I live in Atlanta. So like I not really close enough to like get up to on a regular basis. I want to get an investment property, maybe half a million, million and a half like price point. Like, what does that process look like to like find a good investment property working with you? Yeah. So I always tell everyone is a good, good example. I had a client, Todd, call me the other night and he said, Tyler, what am I doing wrong? I've been working with you for three months. I have a healthy $750,000 budget and we haven't found the right thing yet. And I said, Todd, like this is the process. If it was so easy to just come in and spend the money 
it wouldn't be worth it anymore, right? The hard process of finding the exact right property is what makes it worth it. And so it's about finding the exact right property. And there's a lot of people out there that have their own methodologies. I think we have our own. But at the end of the day, what I have really begun to understand, and this may be tough for a, a, a data company to, to you know understand, and I would love to know what the data company feels about this, but I think this is more of an art than it is a science. Oh, absolutely. Like the whole point of like finding relevant comps is an art, yeah. like of evaluating like, and it actually got to a point that I tried to make up on stage at the SCR Wealth Conference of like, you can find like the most perfect comps, like same amenities, same like bedroom, bathroom, like nearby to each other. And then you get to the difference of just the operator of like someone generating five-star reviews, someone generating 4.6 stars, someone using an outside property manager, someone managing themselves, someone that's like just loves what they're doing versus someone that's just like, eh, like they're going to get what they're going to get. And you're going to get a difference of 30% on the revenues that those properties can earn. So like the evaluation of comps, the sort of self-awareness of like, here's how I'm going to run the property. And like, am I going to get five-star reviews and going to like, or am I going to hire a property manager and we're going to get four, seven, and it's going to be like hands off. And I maybe give up a little bit on revenue, but I get the sort of passive investment nature that I want of that, uh, of that asset. So like, and there's so much that can vary, even if you have perfect data, mm -hmm. like, which and we don't have perfect data. Uh, I wish we did, but even if you did, like there would be such a sort of a, uh, varied, uh, uh, performance of any particular property. Yeah, it's great. The amount of variables is mind boggling. Yeah. Um, and so, okay, so so how do you work with us, basically, to answer your question? And anybody that's ever heard me on a podcast before, you know, I go super long winded on some of these questions. So please bear with me. <laughs> you can skip ahead like 30 seconds and I still won't be there. Um, all right, so let's get there. Okay, so what we do every day is we practice that art, right? At the beginning, I thought it was a science, but now we practice that art. And I have my team around me here locally. And what we do every day is we get into the MLS and we find properties that we think could make good short-term rentals. They are in a good area. They're in an area where we know other people have been successful. It sort of has something unique about it. That could be size. It could be proximity. It could be maybe it's on a river or a lake or something like that. And all this is for a vacation market. So talk about different variables. It's di There's different sets of variables per market as well. And so um, then we send those out to everybody. This is where we get, we, we get a lot of feedback from people that aren't used to working real closely with us that just kind of see from the outside. And they're like, well, I evaluated that property and it, it wasn't going to do well. Well, listen, probably so did we after that. So it's a filtering process, right? Like our job is to say no to the properties as much as possible until we can't anymore. Like we pick the properties apart. And so that happens at different stages. So we send everything out. Then a client raises their hand. They say, I love this one. For some reason, I feel like personally that short-term rental investing is so much like buying a primary home, unlike 
commercial or long-term rental investing or any other type of real estate investing. And the reason why is because of those variables and the variables change based on typically what I've found the client's confidence in what they're buying, right? If somebody feels really confident, if they love the property they're buying, they're going to invest into it. They're going to do amenities and design and games. They're going to do a really good job. They're going to do a good job operating it. But if they have doubts and they're not confident about the property, they're going to launch that property and go, mm, I was going to put that hot tub in, but let me just see how it goes. And I will tell you the let me just see how it goes people are the only people I've ever seen fail in short-term rentals, at least from my clients. So that's kind of what it's like to work with us. We send you properties that we kind of pre-vet, then you raise your hand and you tell us like, okay, that's pulled some emotional string in me. Then we evaluate, run a pro forma, look at the expenses. What is the design budget going to be? And at the end, Jamie, honestly, one thing that we have really learned is because it makes such a difference who the operator is and what they're going to do, we're qualifying our clients. Really good example. Just yesterday, I had somebody tell me she has in her pro forma $15,000 for furniture and design. And I said, no way. Almost every time on, on average nowadays, our clients are spending a hundred grand. Tyler, like that is, that's so interesting, especially like how you talk about working with out-of-state investors. Because most of these people are not in Asheville. They're not actually able to visit these properties with you. So you guys are maybe working on the computer, you're sharing it. They're looking at the properties, going to the photos. And assuming you're sort of their eyes and ears of actually visiting these properties, vetting them, like, is that sort of the next phase of sort of getting into buying with you? Yeah, 100%. And really, like, we want to walk into these properties as if our clients are there, right? As if we are the client, we want to smell, touch everything, the property, right? Like, if there's something weird that that client would notice by walking into that property, we want to say the same thing, because one, we don't want to get under contract and then terminate later when they do, or if they do come to see it. We also don't want to sell a bad product. It means everything to us these days, especially to make sure we have a stellar reputation. And that means only selling the best of the best houses. So if we have to tell a client not to buy a property, we feel like that's really our job is to tell people not to buy properties, to protect investors from buying bad investments, or, you know, just like going back to qualifying the investor, making sure that they're ready to put what's required into that property, that they have the confidence or, or level of confidence in that property themselves. So yeah, it's, it, it, it is tough, but it starts with operating at integrity in everything. So I follow you on social media. One, you, you guys do some great marketing. Two, like I recently saw this property that you guys have listed. It's like $20 million, way outside of my budget. But like, <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> one of the videos I saw was like, it felt like you were an agent giving me a tour, like walking through the property, like it, it was fun, but like these properties and it, it is multiple properties. Can you tell us one about this listing? And then two, like, how did you get a $20 million listing in Asheville? Yeah. So, um, 
the listing is $20 million. Today, it's seven existing short-term rentals on 17 acres, and the sellers are building 13 more. So it'll be a total of 20 really unique, incredible stays. It's 10 minutes north of Asheville. They include things like the Wizard's Hollow, which, um, you know, although we can't say anything about what <laughs> movies it might or might not be, probably not modeled after you could probably look at the photos and get a good idea um and there's one that's built you know kind of under the hill and into the earth the new ones that they're building there's a spaceship and there's an underground crater so everything is totally unique themed and you know i was walking these properties the other day and this is something that as the chief economist you might actually be able to find out for us but because these properties are like 450 square feet one of the tree houses is 450 square feet I thought that place is doing $140,000 a year. So I wondered if that place is generating the most revenue per square foot of any piece of real estate or, or investment real estate in the world, right? Yeah. Like what, what would possibly be generating more than that? So I thought maybe that would be a fun fact that you could look up for us later on. But the property is really incredible. How did I get the listing? This is what's even more incredible to me and totally humbling. Another agent in my market here in Asheville came to me and said, I know these sellers, they're really great, but Tyler, I don't know what I'm doing with this. And this is totally your wheelhouse. And she gave me a career making listing in our area. It'd be one of the biggest sales of all time in Western North Carolina and across the country. It'll be one of the largest short-term rental sales when it goes through um, in the entire country. And she gave it to me, right? Because this is what we do. And that was really cool and really humbling. No, that's, that's awesome. So when you think about like a, a buyer for that, like, is it going to be like an investment group? So I mean, is it going to be institutional money? Is it just going to be like some rich guy that has $20 million to drop on an investment property? Like what are the types of groups that you're seeing interested in the project? Yeah, we, we've gotten some calls from institutional. I know the sellers would prefer to sell it to somebody that has a vision like them and kind of wants to take the property to the next level. Uh, when it's built, when the, when the 13 are built, and that'll be done in June, so we're right around the corner from that, it's going to be finished, but you could certainly elevate the property kind of to the next level as well. So I know the sellers really hope that it's you know, maybe one or two investors, maybe a family or something like that. They would love if they were either local or semi-local, maybe from the region or from the Southeast. But at the end of the day, they're ready to kick back at their new beach house in St. Croix. So I don't know that they would turn away anybody's money. I was kind of <laughs> hoping it was going to be you. That's why I came on the podcast. But now that I know that you don't have enough, we'll have to wrap this up soon. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a question I get constantly is, what is the best market to be investing in today? <laughs> I'm sure it's a, a question you get asked in your sort of realm of maybe Western North Carolina or sort of the, the perch that you have overseeing and the markets that you look at. So what, what do you tell people when, pe when they ask you that question of where, where should they be investing today? Asheville. No, I'm just kidding. I can't say that. Uh, I, as an expert in Western North Carolina, obviously for me personally, every time I look at investment somewhere else, there's a million questions. And I 
I mean, I feel like these days I'm an expert at short-term rentals, right? Like I'm, I'm educated. I'm constantly looking. It's all I do all day, every day. But man, the second I get two hours outside of Western North Carolina, I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I have no idea. Like, what are these streets? What are the neighborhoods? Where do they allow short-term rentals? And who would I even talk to? So I start to sense the pain points that we're solving for investors, which is really cool. But yeah, you know, going outside of my own area, it's really tough. So maybe within your own area, like, and cause I grew up, my wife and I used to go to not growing up, but hiking and camping in like the Highlands, Panthertown Valley area. We did Christmas up in Bryson city. I mean, there's just so much varied investment opportunity. I feel like in the Western North Carolina market, like are there any sort of gems, hotspots you're sort of eyeing these days? Well, we have a, a property under contract right next to Bryson City right now, personally. Um, so that's definitely a nice area. I think anywhere you can, as long as you are educated on the area and you can find a niche to invest in, right? You have to know what's investable in an area. But honestly, like one question I had for AirDNA was, like how many new properties launched last year that got into the top five percentile? Like, what is that number to show people? Because I guarantee that map, there would be pins all across the United States. It would be in South Bend, Indiana. It would still be in California. I guarantee there's somebody that launched something in Orlando and Gatlinburg last year that they've moved into the top 5% revenue for, for their maybe bedroom count or their size. So I think you can invest anywhere. It's about just knowing what to invest in, right? So what's the best area? Well, the second anybody says what the best area is, it skews it, right? The minute you let that out of your mouth, now it is changed. So there is no best area. It's really about what do you know about the local area? And if you don't know anything, are you working with an expert that does? So maybe let's talk a little bit about the performance in the areas you know about. So, and as you know, probably more than most, like performance has been varied the past few years. And we saw, I was just looking at the numbers for Asheville before we came on, and Asheville was one of those markets that did really well during the pandemic. A lot of people, it's sort of perfectly sort of positioned in terms of near Smoky Mountain National Park, like lots of great hiking, wineries, like, and there's just so much to do around there that sort of was attractive to people during the pandemic and in the years after on how, how and why people wanted to travel. We've seen a lot of supply come in. We've seen occupancy come down. We've seen even some some pullback in rates last year. So I mean, how have you been seeing the market play out and sort of new investors sort of or even existing investors sort of react to performance trends in, the, in that area? I think, you know, at the beginning of 2023, I looked at the market and said, you know, if we're not going to be at 3% interest rates anymore you know, so easy to make money at 3% interest rates because your, your expenses were so freaking low. So we figured out what do we have to do to raise revenues then? Like if, if, if the expenses are going to go up, then we have to figure out how do revenues go up and how do we do that in an oversupplied market where occupancy rates on average are falling and ADRs on average are either stagnant or falling a little bit. Right. So we looked at, okay, well, what is the top five or 10% of the market and how can we get in there? So I will tell you that our best investments that we've ever sold were last year. And actually, they were all at 8% interest rates. 
And the reason why we think is because we are really vetting those clients on what are they going to put in design and amenities. There's one investment in particular that was probably the best one we sold. The purchase price was eight twenty five, um, and they will likely do three hundred to three hundred thirty thousand year one. And that's crazy. I mean, that's really, really high. Those guys invested $300,000 into design and amenities, not even renovation. Like I think they put in one bathroom maybe and updated a couple things here and there, but fully design and amenities. And it's still almost a 50% cash on cash return, even putting in that much money into the property. Because as you know, once you hit your expenses, every dollar above that is profit, right? And so it it's, you know, you go, their mortgage is what, probably $60,000, $70,000 a year. So every dollar above that on top of their utilities and stuff is all profit. So if they profit $200,000 year one and they put $400,000 into the property, boom, you know, it's right there. Like that's a really good investment. So I think it's all about trying to figure out how do you get into that top five or 10%. We're seeing, and I'm sure y'all are seeing this too, where those grandma and grandpa cabins and places around Asheville, three bedroom, two bathrooms with $20,000 of Amazon away for furniture are probably falling off the market at a very rapid pace right now, because those are the people that have been complaining about the Airbnb bust, right? Because what AirDNA also knows, and what I learned from AirDNA is that October, 2023, and, and maybe this was updated uh, for the holidays, but I know October, 2023 was the most money ever spent in short-term rentals in the U.S. than any other month in, in history. So more money is being spent than ever. Just where is it going? Yep. No, the competition's heating up. The people that and investors that are uh, designing and sort of amenitizing and sort of crafting their property to meet what guests want are absolutely doing okay. And the ones that aren't are seeing performance sort of deteriorate and continue to deteriorate because, yeah, people want the new stuff. They want the properties that are attractive and staying in my grandma's vacation rental, like, well, <laughs> maybe a great location. I mean, if it's not nicer than my house, like yeah. I don't really want to stay there on vacation, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And we've just found like people want different too. I think one thing people were scared of doing before was different and we've gone really bold. I mean, we've, we've seen short-term rentals where people are painting the ceiling orange and they have a green bed and it's all these primary colors and geographic patterns and just the funkiest furniture and people are loving it. So a lot of trends, I think, changing in short-term rentals, but to say, I think anybody out there that's saying you can't see success in short-term rentals anymore is lying to you. It just takes, it's just more diligence now. It's less and less passive. Yeah. So I'm speaking of passive, like since you're working with a lot of out-of-state investors, so what do you see as sort of the breakdown of and people that try to manage it themselves versus work with local property managers. And and from your vantage point, what do you see as the sort of benefits, cost benefits of, of both? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I would love for somebody to do a study on this. I, I, I don't pretend to be the numbers guy, but I have to imagine, and based on my own short-term rentals as well, that generally the profit margin of a short-term rental is around 20 or 25% anyways. So when you hand that over to a property manager, you're at zero. And so if you have something happen to the house, like you need a new roof or, or you need a new AC system, you're negative for the year, right? Really, really fast. And so most of my clients are self-managing and they're doing 
doing it with the help of a la carte services. I think that's what we're really, truly going to see a massive influx of this year's a la carte services to help people. For instance, uh, revenue management. A lot of people talking about revenue management right now. There are people that are geniuses out there in revenue management. And, you know, this is something I haven't spoken about publicly at all yet. I'm opening a revenue management company actually at the moment. And, you know, who I'm partnering with is this 20 year old college kid that's a freaking math genius. I mean, he was like whizzing through. I was on Google Meet with him last night. He was whizzing through spreadsheets talking about 70th percentile and hedging and testing and control and all these measures. And I'm like, where, like, I feel like I'm a pretty smart person. And I started feeling like, like an old person that you were trying to teach how to use a computer for the first time. I had no idea what he was talking about, but I was shaking my head and saying, yes, that's really smart. I mean, the kid's a genius. So revenue management, I think will be a big one. And, and, and we'll see a massive uptick, I think, in what the rates are at that point um, for short-term rentals. Um, so a la carte services will, will be a big thing for those self-managing short-term rental hosts. Yeah. I mean, revenue management is a, I'm such an underutilized tool. And you think about dynamic pricing tools, you think about just like actively managing your prices and the revenue that's going to come in. And like we had pulled some data late last year on just like if you looked at every single listing out there, what percent had more than four rates over the next 365 days? You think about four rates, like that may be peak season, off season weekday weekend. And it was only 50% of properties that had wow. more than four rates. So that's, that's another rad. 50% of properties that have less than four rates, which just like blows my mind yeah. that people aren't managing their rates, the demand in their market. Yeah. We were looking at earth and sky last night as kind of a test because that place, you know, one of those little tree houses is making $140,000 a year and they are charging the same amount for like next week in the middle of February in the slowest time of the year as they are for July 4th, which is still open. It was $380 next week and $380 and a one night stay was available for July 4th. And I immediately mailed them over and I was like, we, you have to let us take this over. They're they're doing a million dollars a year across seven tiny tree houses outside of Asheville, and they don't use dynamic pricing. It's just wild. That is wild. So outside of revenue management are and sort of starting to piece together the tech stack, like are there any other sort of top tips for and effectively managing the properties that and you see for out-of-state investors, people coming in and like trying to do it remote? Well, this is one thing that we got really good at in 2023. So, you know, 2022, I'll admit, and and I'm sure I have clients out there that will admit too, you know, it, one, it was a crazy year. It was the first year I ever did anything close to the amount of business that that we've been able to, to consistently do. And so it was really hard for us to work with our clients after they closed, right? We were not there for them as much as we would have loved to be. And so 2023 hit, you know, and after some really valuable feedback from people that I really respect, we said this has to be the year that we become even more valuable after people close than, than in finding that property. Because it's not finding the property, it's running it successfully later. So we have built now the best network in our areas. Um, and this is anywhere that Savvy Services We've built the best short-term rental networks, the best cleaners, the best handymen, people that answer at the drop of a dime. So we're, we're helping 
create and and cultivate that network um, over time. And in six months, likely I'll have new cleaners and new people to recommend, right? As, as you get the ebb and flow of service providers coming in and out of the market, and it will only ever get better and better. So for us, that's a major piece of what we do at Savvy nowadays is make sure that our clients have a really easy go, or at least as easy as we can make it because we're here, we're boots on the ground. And we feel like that's our job. Like, we're not the contractors or anything like that, but we feel like it's our job to have the best ones. So is that revenue management recommendations? Like, is it, I mean, is this sort of the next phase of savvy of helping people manage, optimize these investments? And I, I'm assuming if they're successful, they're going to continue to invest and continue to bring you more business. Like, is this just a way to and keep the flywheel going? Or is this sort of moving into like a services type business? Yeah, uh, definitely a services type business. And and really what it's all about is making sure that our clients are really well taken care of. In 2022, I tried to figure out how could I do it all. And so what I know now is that I need to stay in my lane on real estate. And so Savvy itself is going to stay in his lane in real estate, but we're going to partner with the best people we can in the area. So like if I didn't have our new revenue management guy, who's kind of proving himself out right now, uh, if I didn't have uh, potentially a designer to partner with on the new design company, a lot of, a lot of bombs being dropped here, Jamie, getting it all out for me. Uh, but yeah, if we didn't have the right people to partner with, we, we wouldn't be doing it. And we just continue partnering with the people in our areas that are doing it really well. Um, but we, we are looking to try to see what our clients are asking for and can we help provide it? That's great. So when people talk about Asheville as being not only the top investment market, but just the top market to travel to, because they've got the best rentals in the, in the nation to, to stay in. It's going to be because of Tyler. <laughs> well, the locals won't be happy about it, I guess. But I think our clients are are pretty happy about it. And uh, yeah, I think it's really cool to see the effect. We, we are having a noticeable effect on the market, you know, and we are, we, you know, partnered with some of our designers that we worked with last night, like Ashida from Ashida Interiors. We are launching some of the best short-term rentals, I feel like, in the country. You know, they're doing some of that stuff in Orlando, the theming and things like that. But I think we're, especially in terms of amenities and stuff, we're we're doing a pretty good job of it. So that is the next evolution. But for now, our, our main goal this year is to make sure that we have an agent in every market where anybody wants to buy a short-term rental. So whether that is from the Finger Lakes of New York to Hot Springs, Arkansas, um, all the way to out West in Southern California and, and Arizona, our goal this year is growth in, in our real estate agent network and on our team, just to make sure that our clients can have the McDonald's experience everywhere they go, right? Not to end it on a bad topic, because uh -oh. we are getting close to the end, but you did sort of mention the sort of push-pull with locals. Yeah. And Asheville is a market that I mean, famously has some pretty restrictive regulation within the city of Asheville. I think, and you tell me, much more lenient outside the city. But how have you seen that sort of legislative environment sort of evolve over the past few years? And do you see that as a major risk going forward uh, for new short-term rental investors? 
Yeah, I think it's really important always to consider the real estate market you're investing in, right? I think you really want to invest in a strong, if, if there's potential for regulation coming in a market, which means that a lot of people live there, right? Typically, it's, it's highly residential markets where regulation happens more often. And you just want to make sure that you're buying something that you can resell on the market. You're buying to really solid real estate markets. So North Carolina in general is very pro property owner rights. So whether that's shooting a gun off your back deck or short term renting your property, like they just they, they've always been like that. in since colonial times, now not to, to bury the hatchet, but right now, Buncombe County is talking about regulating short-term rentals. Now, I don't think anything's going to come of it. And specifically, one change that they've made in the proposed language that they're simply talking about right now is grandfathering everything in with existing uh, short-term rentals, being able to also transfer that permit later on, which I think would be a gift to everybody in town. It'd be a gift for all the ones I own, right? But uh, it is certainly a conversation and something to watch out for. So just make sure you're investing in a solid enough real estate market that if that were to pass, there wouldn't be a flood of homes on the market uh, that uh, you'd be able to resell and not lose money, right? It's impossible to look into a crystal ball, right? And no, you can do your best, um, but who knows what's going to happen or when it's going to happen. Well, Tyler, on that note, it's been great having you on the show. Where can people find... Uh, information about you, uh, Savvy Realty. Uh, how can they find you online? Yeah, absolutely. So www.savvy.realty. There's no .com there or anything. And uh, book a call with us. Book a call with Scott, who knows all of our markets. He is in touch with all of our agents. You can do that www.savvy.realty slash agent. And uh, Scott will help you figure out which of our markets might be best pair with you, right? Because there is that kind of intangible, you know, Asheville isn't for everyone. Uh, you know, Kentucky is really, really interesting right now. Some of those areas in Kentucky, the Bourbon Trail, Red River Gorge is really, really cool. And there's not a lot of short-term rentals out there, um, but you can get new construction in the Red River Gorge for like 350. So it's, it's pretty uh, cool. Some of the different areas. Red River Gorge has been on our top 25 uh, best places to invest the past two years. Like it is definitely a a attractive area right now. Yeah. Yeah. That Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, if you look at the price per square foot of homes there, if you compare it to the rest of the coast south from there, it's half the price per square foot. So massive room for appreciation. Typically, you're not going to see areas like that get regulated. So pretty safe. So we've got an agent Rivers who is in Myrtle Beach. I mean, this guy's in his 20s. He just took money from Goldman Sachs into his short-term rental fund. I don't even know what half of those words mean, let alone what I know how to approach the SEC and get registered like he did. Um, so we're incredibly honored to partner with really cool agents around the country like Rivers um, and Shane in Kentucky and the rest of our agents. Um, so yeah, please check them all out. Well, Tyler, thanks again for joining. Uh, I'll see you, if not at the next Short-Term Wealth Conference at one of the other mini events around the country. Good to see you, Jamie.